this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. from the book of Thessalonians. But we do not want to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My goal tonight is to encourage you with these words, just like the scripture said. This is a very powerful passage that, um, that Paul is writing to this group of Christians, and he was encouraging them. They were struggling. Like, Paul, we know the resurrection of Jesus has happened, and we know what this means for us, but what about our loved ones who died before? I mean, are they going to be resurrected too? Or is, what's going on? So there were a lot of questions. I don't know if you know this, but the resurrection wasn't really uh, something people thought was going to happen, okay? It caught them off guard, and so with this newness of what God had done, it raised a lot of questions, questions that we still have today. And so for them, Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Those who are asleep, those who have died already, they're going to come back when the Lord is resurrected. When God comes back to the resurrection, Jesus comes back, they're going to be raised from the dead too because of their faith. And, and they're going to be raised, and then those of us who are still alive when Jesus returns, we're going to be with them. We'll be transformed. And so it's a very powerful passage. So he's saying, encourage each other with these words because through Christ, he makes all things new. There is hope for him. Tonight's message is entitled, Jesus Died and Rose Again. If you remember, Paul said that in there, in that part of the letter, Jesus died and rose again. And I, this is an early Christian creed. A creed is something that people come up with in order to, to say over and over. We have a lot of creeds in Christian faith and in other areas of life, people have creeds as well. Um, but we have, this was probably one of the oldest, most certainly one of the shortest creeds uh, of early Christianity. Very simply put, Jesus died and rose again. And so you can learn a creed tonight. Some of you have probably heard me talk about this before uh, and even mentioned it in sermons as well. And so I hope this will be something that will, will give you faith and joy and hope and strength and wisdom and many more things as you uh, talk about this and you say this to yourself and you 
uh, recite this creed and absorb yourself in it for the rest of your life. Big commitment, right? You didn't know you were coming for a whole lifelong commitment, but tonight, that's your commitment. You made it. I believe you're making it, right? No? Okay. All right. Let's move forward. Uh, look, look with me in, in the verse where we see Paul write this in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. This is what he wrote to them, and it'll pop up on the screen. Nope, it's not there. I didn't put it in. All right, here we go. So this is what he said. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring those with him who have fallen asleep. There it is. For since we believe that what? Say it. Jesus died and rose again. Say it again. Jesus died and rose again. One more time. Jesus died and rose again. Now you've pretty much almost memorized that. But imagine if you wrote it down and like Danny was talking about earlier and, and journaled and just really pondered what each one of those words meant. Jesus, who is he? Died. What did he do for me? And what happened next? He rose again. What does that mean for him? What does it mean for the world? What does it mean for me? This is something I believe will bless your life for a long time. I struggle with anger. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's uh, something that I'd like to blame on someone else, so I'll do that as long as I can get away with it. Um, but, but anger is something that, that has become a new sin, if you will, in my life. And um, I, I didn't used to think I was an angry person, but evidently buttons have been pushed that, that caused me to struggle with that now, and there are different reasons for it. But I get angry about some things that are actually good things to be angry about. I get angry that I've wasted time. I get angry that I've, I've, I've spent time chasing the things of the world instead of chasing the Lord. I get angry when I see some of you, you make me so angry. I'm kidding. But I get angry when I see Satan deceiving you. I get angry when I, when I see that, that your, your, your faith in God is, is hindered because of a lie that Satan is selling you. It angers me. Those are, those are good things to be angry about, but I don't want to walk around being angry. So what gives me hope to see when I think, see things that are wrong and can be better? What will give me hope to endure those things? What will resolve that anger for me? That's right. Jesus died and rose again. This, this creed works on a myriad of, of ways. For example, let's say you're feeling ashamed because of your behaviors or actions this week. You just lost your cool, you did something you know you shouldn't have done, and you're just here tonight like, I don't deserve to be here, I feel ashamed. Well, if you read and you understand Jesus died and rose again, it reminds you that Jesus paid for your sin. And then not only did he pay for it, but he conquered hell for you through his resurrection. So if your faith is in Jesus, if your worship is of Jesus, then your shame has no more claim over your life because Jesus died and rose again. What a relief that is. Let's say you're here tonight and you're angry with someone who wronged you. Hypothetically, let's say you're driving home from Costco last Wednesday and you're going down the street and there's no crosswalk there. You're doing everything right and a couple starts to walk out so you start to slow down but then they pull back because they're like, I don't want to get run over. And as you're driving by, there's no crosswalk, there's nothing, you're doing everything right, and you look over, and the woman looks at you and curses you and gives you a one-finger salute. How do you respond? How do you 
being wrong that way. You did nothing wrong, and someone curses you angrily. How do you deal with that? Well, Jesus died and rose again reminds you that Jesus died for her sin too. That Jesus took the wrath of God, the anger of God, the, the righteous anger, that we should be angry when things are wrong. It, God gives us anger. Anger is not a bad thing. It's when we start to feel that anger and start to act as if we are God when it becomes bad. Jesus took the anger, the just anger that they deserve for their sin. He absorbed it in full and, and through the resurrection. Now he, he gives me the justification to where I can forgive them and release them of that sin because someone paid for it. There was a, on the way into church today, there were two little girls and a mom, and I'm assuming it was a mom, and the, one of the littler girls was really angry, and she was like crying and kind of throwing a fit, and uh, she's like, well, she stepped on my toe. She's like, well, you know, whatever. No, she did it on purpose, purpose, purpose. And she was just saying it over and over, and she was just having a fit. And I was like, I get that. I, I get it. It was wrong. What they did was wrong. She did it on purpose, purpose. Well, the mom, I could tell, was probably like me, like, just, you know, don't worry about it. Was well, the parents, we like, forget about it, right? It is what it is. What are you going to do? So we just, we don't worry about it. But Jesus doesn't say forget about it. Jesus says, I'm going to take that sin. And so we as parents, we can dismiss things and not truly bring justice to our children's lives, as we could. But Jesus doesn't fail like we do. He died for that sin. So now when I forgive someone who wronged me, whether they did it on purpose or whether they did it accidentally, I am now relieved of that anger. It's healed. Because whether they apologize to me or not, the sin has been paid for. Does that make sense? Jesus paid for that sin. Whether they confess it or not, I can be justified to forgive them. They aren't getting away with it. Jesus paid for it. It satisfies his anger and thus satisfies mine. It also, when I see that Jesus did that for them, it starts to create in me a new heart to where I want to forgive people. That I desire to do that because I'm like, whoa, Jesus, you have forgiven me for so much. How foolish it would be for me to not release others of their sin against me. So Jesus died and rose again heals me of anger. What about if you're here tonight and you are joyful about how great life is? Well, I don't really need the creed, do I? Yeah, you do. Jesus died and rose again reminds us that all good things come from God. The reason you are where you are is because Jesus died and rose again. He is blessing you in this time of favor. Salvation is from him. Our blessings come from him. Our, our good favor comes from him. Living under the promise of the resurrection is a tremendous blessing for God. And so we can take our joyful life that we're in and we can even be raised in it to have more and more joy in the Lord because Jesus died and rose again. Simply breaking down this, this creed, Jesus is the main character of the scriptures. He's the main character of this creed. He's the main focus of our faith. He is God's son. He is God himself. He is the Lord. He is worthy of worship. He is king. He is the exalted one. He is the creator. This is a magnificent, huge view of who Jesus is. 
This Jesus died. He suffered for me. He paid for my sin. He paid for your sin. He's the one who stepped in the gap between us and the judge and said, I'm going to take the sentence and penalty and punishment for my client. He intercedes for us. He stands in the gap. He died for us. He humbled himself. He didn't come demanding, worship me. But he humbled himself and he said, I'm going to die for you. But he didn't stop there. Many good people have died for us. We see monuments that um, honor veterans that have lost their lives. Many have lost their lives so that we could have freedom. People have given lives for other people all the time, but there is only one who has given his life for the world and who rose again. He didn't stay dead. He he rose again to never taste the sting of death again. He rose again to live forever. He is not like Lazarus, raised from the dead after four days and then eventually die many years later. But Jesus is reigning and alive now. He conquered death. He took away the curse, the penalty of sin. He showed his power. Jesus rose again, so it guarantees, check this out, it guarantees for you and me hope that no matter what happens, Jesus rose again. There's hope for me. It guarantees life. It guarantees joy. It guarantees peace. It guarantees goodness. It guarantees newness. Jesus died and rose again. In your worship folders, there are two points you can fill in. I'm going to give you both of them right now, uh, right off the bat. So you can look at number one, two truths that I want you to remember today as you move forward in your faith in Jesus. So look at them right now, and I'll expand down on them in just a moment. So the first truth is this. In our world, the new gets old fast. <laughs> Sorry, the baby is cute over here. It distracted me. <laughs> In our world, the new gets old fast. I'm tickled. <laughs> I'm not the only one, so. Babies are awesome. Amen. In our world, the new gets old fast. I remember when my, my newest firstborn was brand new like this, and now she's 17. Uh, she's so much older, and it seems like it happened so fast. But in our world, the new gets old fast. Number two, here we go. In Christ, the new will always last. In Christ, the new will always last. So the first one, in our world, the new gets old fast. In Christ, the new will always I mean, will always last, yes. So let's talk about the first one for just a moment. Very simply, what this means is there are new things always coming out in our world. And they become not new really fast, like movies. Um, I remember when The Matrix came out in 99, I think, 98, 99, and it was just revolutionary, the graphics and all these things, and it's still a really good movie. But if you look at them from fresh eyes today and looking back in 20, 20 years ago, and you're like, okay, yeah, those are good, but things are better now. We've progressed. It's moved on to a faster... Um, <clears throat> we've, our technology has gotten better. 
Um, books are the same way. So there's always new books that are, that are being written and that, that will be popular bestsellers. Quotes. I see all these new quotes. I mean, I see people even on, on Facebook or Instagram or wherever they are, and, and they'll go from quote to quote to quote, and they'll follow this person for a while, this person for a while. There's, there's always a new quote, something new that's fresh. New Year's resolutions get old really fast, don't they? And really fast. And we can spend, the, the frustrating part of this is we can spend a lot of our lifetime building, chasing after the new of the world. And if we're not careful, what we'll do is we will build a kingdom, an empire, that's never going to last. It's always, it's going to be outdated really quickly. But there's a tremendous, there's also, it's not just the fact that you can look back upon your life and like, wow, I really did spend, you know, too much time uh, on things that don't matter. That's sad enough in itself. But it's actually worse than that. There's another danger. By chasing the things of the world, what you'll do is you'll chase things that are corrupt, and as a result of chasing those things, you too will become corrupt. It will corrupt you when you chase things that are corrupt. Not only will it not last in your lifetime, it won't last forever, but it will not fulfill you. In fact, it will tear you down. Look with me in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. The apostle John is writing uh, to a group of Christians, and he says to them in this part of the letter, he says, don't fall in love with this corrupt world or, or worship the things it can offer. Those who love the world's corrupt ways don't have the Father's love living within them. All the things that the world can offer you, the allure of pleasure, the passion to, to have things. Anybody felt that passion? I want to have things. And the pompous sense of superiority. I feel like that's one of the worst things going on in our world today. It's not just a New York thing. It's an, it's an online thing that we feel like, especially when we look back at the past and we see the sins of our former you know, generations, it's really easy for us to look back and think, oh, we have it figured out now. We are better than that. But just remember, the next generation and the generation after that are going to look back on us and say the very same thing. The things that we think we have all figured out, we're probably screwed up on in a lot of ways. The things that are not eternal as far as God goes. So the pompous sense of superiority, these things do not come from the Father, but these are the rotten fruits of this world. This corrupt world is already wasting away, as are its selfish desires. But the person really doing God's will, that person will never cease to be. You see, the, the new promises of the world, the, the new things that the world is promising you, a new way, these things are unable to withstand corruption. They'll become corrupt. New forms of government, new forms of, of doing things, new ideas of thought, they cannot withstand corruption. They will disappoint us. They will fail. They will break. So to love those things or to worship those things is a prescription for corrupting your own life. 
It's a guaranteed way to live. If this is the way you want to live, then pursue the ways of the world. It's a guaranteed way to live defeated, disappointed, disgruntled, dissatisfied, miserable, miserly, misguided, angry, bitter, burnt out, drained, depleted, empty, hopeless, and more. When you chase the things of the world, when you love the things of the world, this is who you are guaranteed to become. It will corrupt you. Sure, you're going to have fleeting moments of pleasure where it feels like it's paying off and it's working, but you're going to be left with a massive hangover when the newness wears off. Our world is corrupt. The ways of the world are corrupt. And the new of our corrupt world gets old really fast. Second thing, remember, our new, the world, in our world, the new gets old fast. The second thing, in Christ, the new will always last. So God's promise is to make all things new. Not just some things, but all things new. In a way, and the way he's going to do it is going to make it new in a way that will never be corrupted. The newness that God's bring is incorruptible. It's eternally good. It's that new car smell that will never go away and you won't get tired of. You'll be like, yes, this is a new car with no payments, right? The new car smell that never goes away, never gets old. We will live with the Lord and he will dwell among us like he did in the Garden of Eden. This is the promise that God gives to us. Uh, This is a spoiler alert if you haven't read all of your Bible or the end of it. This is a picture uh, in just a moment of the future for all of those who follow Jesus. Here's a spoiler alert. This is what your future looks like. Ready? Revelation 21, verses 5 through 8. And he who was seated on the throne, which is Jesus, he said, Behold, look, take notice. I am making all things new. And he said to John, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And Jesus said, and he said to me, it is done. It is finished. It is complete. I am the Alpha and the Omega, which means what? The beginning and the end. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter. So he's saying, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. A little caveat there. It's without payment from you. It's not without payment period, because Jesus paid for it. Jesus died and rose again, and so now because of his work, we receive it without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars— their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. If your faith is in Jesus, then that second death was paid for when Jesus died and rose again. 
He took that away from you. And so when your faith is in Jesus and when you are in, abiding in and living in Jesus died and rose again, He is your Lord, you become a new person. You're transformed. It's your second birth. Instead of a second death, you have your second birth. You are born again, as, jo- as Jesus talked about in John chapter 3 when he was explaining to Nicodemus that you must be born again, born of the Spirit. And so when your faith is in him, you become a new person. You're, you're baptized into the faith. When that is who you are, you are no longer what those things were. You are no longer cowardly. When you're in Christ, you're no longer faithless. When you're in Christ, you're no longer detestable. You're no longer sacrilegious. You're no longer sexually immoral. You're no longer focused on sorcery or evil spirits or looking to horoscopes to give you hope and direction. You're no longer worshiping the idols of this corrupt world. In Christ, you're no longer a liar. In Christ, you don't worry about having to pay for your sins in hell. Instead, you look to the end of this world and you know that when the end of this world happens, it's really not the end. It's a new beginning. So I would imagine most of you noticed the other night when the sky in Astoria turned blue, right? Raise your hand if you're aware of that. I got a video on it on my phone because it doesn't really happen unless you get it on video anymore, right? And so uh, uh, we were inside, and my kids and wife said, hey, something's going on. So I went outside, took a video. And then you were probably aware, too, the social media storm that happened as a result of this electrical storm. And uh, there's really some cool posts. I wanted to put some up here, but uh, there were just too many to choose from. Um, but I, I noticed a couple of things that happened. Um, there were several different reactions to what happened. I'm going to focus on a couple of them. But there was a, it was the Con Ed plant, which is three and just a little over three long blocks from my house, very close to us. And I, I've heard it making noise before, but I, I heard a, a follow-up article where um, Saint Bobby McGee was his name, um, I know, right? Spelled differently. McGee's differently than mine. I was like, hey, maybe I have a cousin up here who works at Con Ed or something. But he explained, he said, 138,000, that's 138, comma, three more zeros, 138,000 volts of electricity in a transformer that was about 20 feet off the ground was just arcing. And it was, he said it was like a bolt of lightning. And I was like, whoa. And a normal house or our houses, have 120 volts. So it's like 1,150 houses were arcing at the same time. And so it created this huge electrical storm. It was seen all over the city. Even people in Jersey saw it. They were flying into Newark, and they looked over and saw it, took pictures. Um, Social media was captivated by it. People were frightened. I saw people in videos like, what's going on? Is this the end? You know, is this the end of the world? Is there a war going on? Is there something crazy that's happening? Are the aliens here? You know, is this a Men in Black promo? Because they've got the new movie coming out. You know, all kinds of conspiracy theories. Uh, I'm sure we'll figure out a way to blame Trump for it somehow, I'm sure. So, but many people, well, they had no idea what to make of this light. What is going on here? I had a different perspective. 
I walked outside and I was quite calm. I was like, oh, this is the electrical plant because I'd heard the same noise that I've heard before when it's having issues. And the noise sounds like a plane that's taking off but just not going anywhere. Just imagine like if, a, if you could harness a plane and it would just whoo, try to take off but not go anywhere. It was just whoo, that type of sound. Right? You got it? In big, oh, good. All right, you're with me. So that's what it sounded like. I was like, oh, it's the, uh, the electrical plant. It's, it's going, you know, doing whatever. So I didn't have any fear for me, except, you know, maybe we'll lose electricity for a while. But my concern was for the people that were working on it. You know, Lord, help them not be hurt uh, as people respond to this. You know, people are fearful. You know, calm them. But, you know, keep people safe as they do this was my concern. I never feared for my own safety, but I feared for others. But there were a lot of people who were fearing for their lives. They were, they were genuinely afraid. Like they didn't know what was happening. And so I point this out for a reason. <clears throat> Number one, this text for sermon, the sermon was chosen uh, prior to this event happening. And I was sitting there thinking of a good illustration for the sermon, and God just gave me this one for free, without payment except I pay my Con Ed bill, so I kind of pay for it. So, imagine with me the verse where, where Paul is talking about encouraging one another. He says, when Jesus comes back, people are going to know about it. And it hit me as, as this was happening. I was like, look at how captivated our city was. Everybody was, pay- they were stepping outside, they were taking pictures all over. What's going on? Imagine when Jesus comes back, who is much greater than 138,000 volts of electricity. He's going to light up the sky brighter than anything we've ever seen before. And that is going to be an event that won't be just seen in New York and Jersey. But it's going to be an event that's going to be worldwide. It's going to be amazing. But it's also going to strike a lot of fear into the hearts of people. For those who don't know Jesus, those who aren't living close to the Con Ed plant and know what's going on, there's going to be a great concern. What is this that's happening? But for those who know and expect the return of the Lord, it will be a joyful event. We won't have concern for ourselves, our own, own safety, but we'll be like, our king has returned. So this is where the illustration breaks down because I wasn't, wasn't excited for the Con Ed plant to be doing that. But when it's going to be different. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be a joyful event. It's going to be our, our Lord is here. And this picture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is, is a picture of, um, it says we're going to be caught up into the clouds or whatever. And it, it doesn't mean we're literally going to fly up in the air. But it's, it's a metaphor, and, and what it's saying, a, a way for us to understand it, is back in the day when Paul wrote this, when a king or Caesar would leave the city for a while, and he would return home, the people in the city, they would go outside the gates, and they would line up, and they would create like a, a welcome for him. And they would line up down the side, and the king or Caesar would come down the middle, and they would cheer, yay, our, our leader is home, and they would cheer him in. And that's exactly the picture that Paul is painting for them. He said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to see Jesus, and we're going to say, 
whoa, he's home. I can't yell right now because of laryngitis. But he, he was, we're going to be yelling and, and screaming, yes, he's home. It's, it's going to be a joyful event for us. A welcomed, celebrated return of the king. There'll be no fear for our safety because our Savior, Savior is coming for us. Jesus died and rose again. So even if the aliens had invaded, Jesus died and rose again gives us hope that, hey, they haven't seen nothing yet because Jesus is coming back. Even if disaster happens, we know that Jesus died and rose again. Even if things go prosperous for us this next year, which I hope it does, Jesus died and rose again keeps us from getting corrupted by that prosperity. God is looking. This is something I want to leave you with. God is looking for people to strengthen. Do you know that God desires, he wants to strengthen you. He wants to empower you. He wants to fill you with his presence. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, there's an Old Testament story here, and one of the truths that pops out that's still true for us today is this. It says this, it'll pop up on the screen. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. The eyes of the Lord are looking all over the earth, and he's looking to give strong support or strength to those whose heart is blameless toward him. God is searching for people that he can strengthen and bless. So what are you looking to? Are you focused on Jesus died and rose again? Are you focused on Jesus being the center of your faith? Are you focused on what God has done for you, or have you flipped it into a false religion of you trying to work and prove yourself to God? See, that will lead to despair and hopelessness, dissatisfaction. But when you focus on Jesus died and he rose again, now you can be strengthened. Now you can be Incorruptible. Now the seed and the incorruptible word of God can enter into your heart. And so here's some next steps I want you to go through. They're listed on your worship folder. And I'm just going to read them quickly. What you can do this week is memorize and recite this creed daily for one week. You with me? Seven days. Jesus died, rose again. Say it throughout the day, over and over and over. Jesus died and rose again. Second thing is focus on what each one of those words means and apply it to your life. What does it mean when you're talking about Jesus? What does it mean when you talk about died? What does rose again mean? What, is this, what are the implications for this? The third thing is confess your desire for newness. It's not bad to want things that are new, but it's bad to love them, those things and to chase them and to worship them. Confess your desire for newness and say, Lord, give me newness in you. Give me a freshness in you. And then the, third, the last thing is, the fourth thing, is praise the Lord Jesus for his enduring promise. Listen, this, this year is almost over, and the next one's going to begin. And there's nothing you can do to stop that. There's nothing you can do to stop that. But God is the God, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the God of the end of this year, and he is the God of the beginning of next year. And because Jesus died and rose again, you have strength. Because Jesus died and rose again, you have faith. Because Jesus died and rose again, you have hope. You have endurance. You have purpose. You have a good father who has a good plan for your life. 
And it's guaranteed. Why is it guaranteed? Because Jesus died and he rose again. Do you receive that word today? I believe you do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much uh, for the enduring promise that you give to us. You are a good, faithful, loving God. You are far beyond what we could even hope for and imagine. So Lord, in this moment, I just pray sincerely from the bottom of my heart that our focus would not be on ourselves, but that we would focus the rest of our lives, starting with tonight, on the fact that Jesus, you died and you rose again. Jesus died and rose again. And because of that, we have all we need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.